Hello, everyone. This is John Vibes with the Free Thought Project, broadcasting to you from the Facebook Gulags. I'm joined here by Matt Savoy and Jason Bassler. And today we're going to discuss a couple topics that have been floating around in the mainstream media. And as usual, we're going to get into what the mainstream media has missed and left behind, either intentionally or not intentionally. So we're going to get straight into it with a story that kind of relates to our struggle recently, and that is the shutdown of Gab. Now, personally, I'm no fan of most of the content that generates on the website. However, it is a free speech platform that is anti-censorship. And because they refuse to censor, they've been shut down this week after a shooting at a synagogue where a poster uh, had a lot of support on Gab. And Matt wrote our story at the Free Thought Project on this week. Did you want to give a little bit of a uh, more description on that, Matt, or anything to add from your article? Yeah, they, they were a haven for a, a bunch of... Uh hateful assholes you know the uh, but so what you know at least like it's when you try to silence these people is that's when you give their ideas credibility and and you give them to the forefront you know racism is stupid enough to where when the people try to promote it they shut themselves down because their ideas have no validity to them thing is with gab this synagogue shooter had facebook and twitter accounts where he espoused the almost the identical talking points on on all these platforms uh he just so happened to say that i'm going in on on gab right before he went into the synagogue right so that's what they're using to shut down gab and they said that because the gab gave him this platform that that was the reason for them shutting him down but the dude was saying these terrible things on twitter and facebook as well and nothing happened to them obviously and we've seen instances of this before where other serial killers or murderers have made made comments on Facebook or Twitter before they commit crimes. And, you know, Facebook and Twitter are still there. And rightfully so. I don't think you should remove a platform because some crazy person uses it to, to, to give their last words before they go shoot up a synagogue. I mean, Gabs has just as much fault in the synagogue shooting as I do. They don't, they, they didn't do anything to justify it. And in fact, they cooperated with the law enforcement right after the shooting. They immediately suspended his account, turned over all of his posts. They did everything they were supposed to. And yet they were still removed and pulled off of not just their, I mean, everybody turned them off. It was PayPal, all their credit card processors. So they were effectively like wiped from the internet, not just from, you know, removed or purged from a social media platform. They were a social media platform and they, they were wiped from the internet. I think the other enforcement angle here is that doesn't it make it more difficult for them to police people like this and to keep an eye on hate groups and things like that? If you shove them further underground, isn't that another unintended consequences? Is it just yeah, makes it easier you to know, hide? See, places like Gab allow these people to espouse their hateful rhetoric, and and if it is if it does become violent and it does become threatening, then. It's out there for the whole world to see. That would have, like, it would aid law enforcement in, in tracking down the violent people who espouse violence. It's kind of interesting as well because there's two different narratives now that they're rolling out. I mean, for us, it was uh, we didn't uphold the community standards 
or the terms of service, and they claim that the way we were purged, that was to keep Facebook safe, but now more about just straight-up censorship. These ideas are dangerous. These ideas are leading towards violence. I guess it's selective upon who they want to censor and when. Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think that they just kind of make up a different excuse for whoever they want to take down, and that was something that I noticed when we first got taken down because it's like, come on, man, we are not – we are obviously not hate groups. And then there were leftist groups who are anti-hate group who were taken down in it too. So they're definitely constantly moving the goalpost and just trying to remove any kind of content that they aren't happy with. And for those of you who are, who are listening out there, all of us on the Free Thought Project got shut out of our accounts yesterday again on Facebook. They told us we were spreading spam, and of course we were – doing nothing of the sort. We were just sharing our news as usual. So we might be looking at further shutdown, maybe of our personal accounts. Who even knows? We really need your help and support. So the best thing that you could do is rate and review and subscribe to us on podcast player chores, preferably of iTunes, because that's kind of where the rankings go through. And I know a lot of you guys are going to come back to us every week and you don't need to subscribe, but when you click subscribe, that helps all the normies out there find out about us. But yeah, we, we all got locked out of our accounts again, so it's definitely not looking good on the horizon for social media. They gave me a list, like whenever I got that checkpoint and I was logged out and kicked off of Facebook, a list was populated with my recent posts. And it was like, one was a picture of my son playing with Legos, you know, the other one was my wife and I in our Halloween costumes. And then it said that my, my account was sending out spam. It didn't give you an option to, to like do anything. It, it just had you had to press delete. Uh, I thought I was going to delete my profile or something, you know, but I couldn't get on or through anymore without that, without going through that. So, and that was it, you know. Once you once I confirmed and pressed delete, then I was allowed back on the platform. Jason handles all the social media side of things, so the the idea that we're spamming people is is preposterous. It's it's not existent. I I rarely post to Facebook. I've made like three posts in the last month, you know, so. Yeah, I think we're kind of marked people in this new social credit system that is developing here. We are marked, and the crazy thing about that is, too, there's there's no way to actually start over. There's no way to erase your Facebook account and create a new Facebook account for yourself. You're basically stuck with the one that you have. So even if there are Facebook algorithms that are being triggered, it could be on accident, right? I mean, we know that these algorithms aren't perfect. Uh, Like I said, we can't just create new accounts. Uh, Anything we post will automatically be designated as a post from somebody who is associated to a spam account, therefore being throttled. So there is really no way to, to win with this. We put out an anti-war article um, this week showing that the, about the migrant caravan and how uh, this calling it an invasion is just is, is entirely incorrect and and it's designed to stoke fear and it's engineered to to create like a hatred towards these people and, and articles like that are just thriving all over. But you know we we put out one calling. Calling it out and so showing that it's not the these people walking through Mexico that may or may not be here in the next three or four weeks. <laughs> um, they're not invading anything. They're just they're fleeing violence caused in their countries and largely from U.S. foreign policy. I was uh, watching Stefan Molyneux yesterday just to get a, a different perspective on all this. And one of his main focal points was to 
use words as they're defined, which I thought was interesting because uh, he, he pointed out that caravan, the definition for it, a group of people, especially traders and pilgrims traveling across the desert in Asia or North Africa. He did not want to attribute that term to what, what's going on with this migrant um, caravan, if you will. And I thought that was kind of interesting because in your article, Matt, you actually went ahead and gave the definition as well for invasion. And uh, Molyneux kept using the word invasion. This is an invasion. He was very adamant about using that term. I, I believe it was to evoke emotion, uh, which is funny because a lot of people on the right claim that uh, that's a leftist um, strategy just to evoke emotion. But let's say the invasion, the word invasion, the definition is an act or instance of invading or entering as an enemy, especially by an army. I don't know if either one of those really actually is, is accurate completely. No, definitely not. In that report, I gave the definition to show that no matter how you try to spin this, calling these people invaders is just a, it's a falsehood. It's important to note that we come from the no left or right. We just see this situation as the reality that it is, which is um, a refugee crisis that's created and maintained by the United States. Jason made an interesting point there about how it's all this idea about how the people on the right are always like the logical ones and the people on the left are always the emotional ones. But in reality, everybody is emotional. Most humans are driven by emotion. I think it's like a, a natural thing that's wired into us. People say that they're all logical and stuff. They might be like 1% more logical than other people or something. But these people who claim to be tough guys all the time, here they are terrified, you know, scared shitless of people moving who don't even have weapons, who who don't have any economic power. And they're the ones who are calling everybody else snowflakes all day long. Yet here they are cowering. They're They're counting out how many males and females are in the group. And they're talking about how buff the dudes are and how scared they are of it. It really is ridiculous that people try to hide behind the logic when they are just as emotional as the other side. Right. And it, it, I think that's a deliberate talking point to, that's brought up because it keeps people from looking at the reality of the situation. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to question or try to attempt to understand why thousands of people are leaving their homes and moving from these different places. You know, they're not, they're not just migrating they're not like these nomadic tribes that just wander around and invade other countries they're leaving because their countries have been turned into dystopias because of u.s foreign policy that goes back decades and the reason it's so hard for both parties to talk about this is because it paints both of their parties in a negative light this is the policy being carried out in el salvador and guatemala and nicaragua these these have been bipartisanly supported by presidents all the way back through Reagan. Coupled with the drug war and all these uh, covert military operations they've used to install these dictators, the, the countries have turned into shitholes. Well, no, but, it is the it is the truth. Even though that was a talking point with Trump and everything, like it, it came from a different place. Like he was just saying that like those people are savages or something like that. It's a totally different thing to say that this military has turned other countries into shitholes. It's done deliberately, you know. And there was a a guy named uh, Danny Denver who's uh, he is a 
Harvard Law School's, uh, he did a project for Harvard Law School called the Fair Punishment Project. And he noted um, exactly how, like, these MS-13 gangs are a direct result of U.S. foreign policy. And he said that uh, this is a problem that's American-made through and through. So to treat it as though it's some external threat being foisted on America obscures the fact that it's our foreign policies, our military intervention, and our long history that created MS-13 in the first place. And that's that rings true on so many levels. And it actually it not only created them, but it fosters their monopoly on drug trades and everything else because of the drug war that we keep here. It pushes the it, it grants these criminal enterprises monopolies over the drug trade in Mexico and and, and all these other South, South American countries where they thrive. Several high profile cases of CIA importing these different drugs into America the last few decades. And so we provide them the monopoly with the by, by making the drugs illegal, and then we give them a perfect place to sell it. And so it just creates the perfect gas on a fire for, for cartels and criminal activity. And these poor people that are fleeing that are now called invaders because they don't because they're tired of their children being kidnapped or tortured or raped or sold in the sex trade. And all because the United States is helping these criminals thrive. I think it's important to point out, um, and this is just logically speaking here, there seems to be this fear and intimidation because it is a group of 5,000 people, apparently, that it's quoted. But, um, you know, you also have to take into consideration that these people are fleeing, like you had mentioned, the policies from years of American... Uh, intervention, and they form these these caravans to avoid the dangers, the traffickers, the bandits, the people who wanted you know do harm to them. It's actually smarter for them. It's actually more beneficial for them to be in a group. It's safer that way. So um, you know, it's just something I wanted to point out because it does seem a bit intimidating. Oh wow, there's five thousand people coming to invade our lands, but this is actually done as a safety measure. This is done to protect themselves. Uh, through throughout the travel. And one thing I'm thinking right now is how many international flights come into the U.S. every day carrying how many people? Uh, probably more than 5,000, I would estimate. I, I, I don't know flight patterns that well, but I know that large numbers of people come into the U.S., whether on vacation or whatever, on airplanes every single day. So just because these people are on feet together, I think, is a lot of the issue, too. But the people are unarmed, obviously. It's not like they're in tanks rolling in like this military does elsewhere. So it, it is very, very strange that people are so so up in arms. Trump claims that any rock are thrown at the border They'll be considered uh, firearms, and who knows what that will actually lead to. I mean, there could be a massacre if that's the case. This dangerous talk of what he's, what Trump just said this morning about how he plans, he'll, he'll authorize deadly force against the migrants if they throw rocks at the border. And this sounds like um, what Israel does, you know, to the Palestinians, and where they shot and killed, you know, hundreds and thousands, men, women, and children um, over the past two years as this conflict has been stoking on the border. And uh, hopefully that's, you know, that this is just being blown out of proportion for the elections to stir up voters and to getting them out there and voting for red or blue or whatever. And that it doesn't come to anything like what's happening in Gaza right now. But the, yeah, talk like that is definitely a slippery slope. And, and that just 
further dehumanizes the these people that are just trying to flee their country and you know it's it'll it it's like an attempt to 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 justify the violence before it even happens it's dangerous it's what we do in other countries when the the countries that we actually do invade like Syria Afghanistan Iraq and Libya you know we dehumanize the people and US citizens have no problem supporting those those invasions republicans and democrats alike yeah, so I guess it's not that much of a stretch to kind of bring that violence home. You know, I mean, people are already okay with it abroad. And honestly, I mean, they're okay with it at home, too, because it happens in our street with the cops. So, yeah, I, I, I it is kind of scary that he is saying that. And I hope it is just rhetoric. And with him, 99% of the time, it is just rhetoric. But, yeah, it is definitely still a scary precedent. Before making... Uh huge statements and demonizing a group of people or individuals, I think it's important to always figure out what their intentions, their motivations and incentives are, right? Joseph Brown, the founder of the Mind Unleashed, said yesterday in a Facebook post, you got to wonder how bad shit is where these people come from in order to trek thousands of miles on foot, risking life and limb or the possible arrest and confinement of their kids, the possibility of being raped and the definite probability of being abused in order to get here. Uh, he finished off that by saying, people that come here this way deserve a high five and a joint. That's some serious badassery. I think that's also a really good point. Yeah, I, I think it's it's just interesting how it it has been quick rush to pick your side and everything, and everybody already knows what side they're going to be on. But I haven't really seen any interviews with these actual people or anything like that. Um, has there been anything like that that, you, that you've seen? Not that I've yeah. seen. I have, and of course, each side cherry picks, you know, uh, will try to find specific individuals who maybe aren't the most articulate or seem like they're the most passionate, which, you know, a lot of times, if they're the most passionate uh, individual, doesn't always mean that they're going to be the smartest, you know, or they have the most uh, explanation as to why they're behaving the way they are, so... Let me reflect on that heavy article that uh, was written about us and our situation and how there were tons of articulate comments and responses to what happened to us. And even that one that we discussed about that person talking about how he wasn't a racist anymore. And there was just tons more where that come from. But heavy decided to pick some guy who was like, fucking sheeple um um, i'm so sick of them and all this that that's what they decided to put in to represent us and i've experienced this so many times back when i was throwing raves and the news kind of did an undercover investigation on this uh this rave thing we had going on in the basement of an abandoned church and of course when they came in on the place they interviewed the most messed up kids they could on purpose they didn't get anybody who was articulate and then when they actually interviewed uh my boss at the time who was running the thing they cut out everything articulate he said and made it look really bad so i I guess you're right in the sense that an interview is not necessarily always a real interview and it's important to note the timing of this uh, as well, this this caravan fear, the the invasion fear, it's uh it's election time. <laughs> so the bet the the more that they they can um the, these the politicians can stoke the fear and and hatred and get these people to go vote for them, the better, you know. And 
again, this this is like deja vu too. A, a similar si- uh, situation played out in April where there was an, another like group of people marching towards the border and and it was blown out of proportion and the the whole country got up in arms and scared and and then like I think like just a few people were arrested like that was it you know like 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 fourteen people or something I think that's what it is I believe it or not this was on Fox News uh, reporting this uh, Shepard Smith who I have no idea how they let that guy on Fox News anymore, but um, he he pointed it out. You know, he's like, there's there's no invasion. There's nothing, none of this is going to happen, but next week is is elections, you know, and that's this is all designed to, to get people to the polls on either side, and next next election cycle, it'll be something else just like this to where the people will be exploited, these true, these thousands of people are truly being exploited by both sides to 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 get people to the polls. <laughs> Have they ever made this big a deal of midterms? I I don't know if I've ever seen this much hype around the midterm election. I mean, I think it, there's always hype, but yeah, this one's this one's pretty crazy. You know, there's this is an insane time we live in right now. I didn't hear anything. Uh, really about that in in April when it happened last time, Matt. And it's interesting that you had mentioned that. Obviously, we're probably hearing more about it because it's near an election. But I kind of feel like this is, once again, like a, a manufactured outrage um, from the government, from the media. And if you think about what Trump's saying since he's gotten to office, this uh, caravan is exactly kind of like the perfect storm to justify his border wall. It corroborates all his fear-mongering about illegal invaders, MS-13. If you check any of the alt-right or right-wing pages or sites, this is all they're talking about. They're building it up like it's going to be World War III or an attack on a republic, uh, which just gives them more ammo to sell the fear and get the, patri- quote, patriots up in arms about protecting our border. So once again, it's just the government mainstream media, um, you know, who are in the business of fear-mongering to get clicks and views, but also to make Americans feel as if we need government, the troops protect us, um, or even better, you know, go out and vote and make sure that only the best protectors, you know, of America are, are here in your service. Yeah. If only that were true. (laughs) And it's, uh, this is something we haven't touched on yet, but, um, on the, on the, so on the left wing side of things, the fear that they're using over there are the non-functioning quote unquote bombs that were sent to all these, uh, prominent um anti-trump people and uh you know that that is is also creating another perfect storm of of hatred and fear that's going to jettison the the masses to the polling booths this next week and it's pretty crazy i mean i mean yes it's terrible that this guy was sending these fake bombs out or these bombs but that none of them exploded thank god none of them exploded were they actual bombs, or were they just kind of like pieces of metal and plastic that looked like a bomb? They were definitely designed to just to more so look like a bomb. I'm in a group of uh, of like these former Marines, and one of them was a, a EOD uh, explosive disposal, and uh, he kind of gave a breakdown of the what the like from the pictures of the bombs that were released and. Either the guy was really good at making a scary-looking bomb that he knew wasn't going to blow up, or he was just an idiot, you know. But either way, the bombs from the designs, uh, from the the pictures that were published online, they were they were clearly not functional. You know, they had wires going into both sides, which doesn't is is not necessary and doesn't do anything. So it sparked a uh, 
like the people that that did previously work in like explosive ordnance disposal, they, uh, I mean, they started these these meme campaigns and they were. They were like putting like bananas with wires on wrapped around them, you know, and posting that online and just saying that they got their bombs. But no, so this this is just, I mean, and that that case is just so shady, you know. They had this guy, Caesar Syok, I think was his name. I might not be saying that right, but you know, he's in a van covered in brand new Donald Trump stickers and CNN sucks stickers and. And then he starts sending these bombs that don't explode right before the midterm election to all these prominent Democrats and anti-Trump folks. And, I mean, it just doesn't get any better for publicity, you know, for negative publicity for, for the right than than this guy. It's just, it's so crazy. We got the migrant caravan happening, you know, that, that helps bolster the right. And then we have the, the bomb thing that helps bolster the left. And I'm over here like, man, this is just, this just seems like something out of a movie, you know. Yeah, pe- the, the people on the left are hysterical about this fake bomb thing, man. It's it's crazy. They're they're acting like they were attacked or something. Like I mean, it's obnoxious. They're they're acting like nobody is safe. I mean, I, I'm not saying that the guy shouldn't be held accountable if 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 the, everything is as pre- presented, but it, it sounds like more of a prank than a a bomb. And and even if he is guilty of it, it, it they they weren't bombs. The fake bombings led to. CNN claiming that they know who's the greatest terror threat in the United States, and that was, uh, according to Don Lemon, that's that's white men, right? So, so uh, earlier this week, uh, CNN's Don Lemon went on air and said that right after he said we have to stop demonizing people and realize that the biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized to the right, and then then he finished that up by saying we have to start doing something about them. That's one of the most insane things that a news agency, well, not just news agency, that anybody could say. You know, that that almost is on the verge of inciting violence towards an entire group of people. Don Lemon wasn't even lambasted. He didn't have to do anything. Like, Megyn Kelly said she thought it was okay for people to dress up like Diana Ross, and she was fired and moved, you know, like she had to, she was forced to apologize publicly and everything, and Don Lemon basically incites hatred and, and violence, borderline violence, to an entire group of people. And not only did he not have to force to apologize, but I think this morning or last night he doubled down again and actually said that that evidence is overwhelming that the white man, the white male, is the biggest threat to America. Overt racism by the left is just it's it's insanity that, that they can get away and say these things and. I'm not calling for Don Lemon to be censored, but it's just this double standard of, of chastising the entire race and calling the, the, the whole race and sex of white men a, a massive terror threat is is as insane as it is like dangerous. And I think that talk like that is um is is definitely should should not be going on and, and I'm wondering why Facebook and Twitter haven't banned Don Lemon yet. I mean the hypocrisy goes deep, right? So Al Roker, uh you know, he's a, a black individual. Um, he dressed up as Doc Brown, and uh, he oh, claimed man. he put out a tweet. He said, "I'm I'm going to say this one last time, but folks who get it understand, and the ones who don't won't. I can be Doc Brown, and I wear the outfit and the wig, and not change my skin color. If you're white, you can be President Obama if you want. Just don't change your skin color." It's like, who is Al Roker, and how does he get to define these rules? You know, like it's just. 
it's it's utter insanity, man. And, it, and this it's all done in the name of uh, of not offending, you know. But I mean, I think that that's the most offensive thing you can do is claim that you're the author- the moral authority and can tell people, not just people, like an entire group of people, by whether by race or by sex, that they can't do something because you said that they can't, <laughs> and, it, and for fear that it might offend somebody. Yeah, it's very weird, the attachment that people have to these things. It's just like somebody dressing up like somebody with with positive intent, you know. Um, People don't look at the intent. I I see the same thing with people dressing up like Native Americans or whatever. You know, it's the same attitude. It's like a lot of some some people, some white people happen to have respect for that culture and want to show some type of appreciation for it. Should they be shamed if they want to do that? You know what I mean? And, And I think that it's more nuanced than just if you do a certain thing, then you're racist. Right. Well, you know what's racist is is Hillary Clinton going on an interview and saying that and all black people look alike. That old lady is getting crazy. They they cheered her on after she said that, and the crowd cheered. the The host was about to call her out, and then quickly realized, like, oh, I guess this is Hillary Clinton. I can't say that, and she got a pass. Well, a lot of people were saying that, like, they were trying to make excuses for her, saying that, like, oh, she was being woke and stuff. And it's like, nah, nah, that old lady was being racist. And even if it was a joke, that wouldn't fly for anybody else. I mean, if Trump said something like that, that would have never been uh, interpreted as a joke. And, you know, we're not defending Trump by any means. Right. But no one no one else but Hillary Clinton (laughs) or no other. I mean, even if if Kanye West would have made a joke like that, he would have gotten it, you know. They would have came after him. They would have. They would have called for him to a boycott on his albums and everything. And he's a black guy, you know. But it's all this. It's this crazy stuff on the on the left, man. They, it's this double standard that they apply, like like Don Lemon and and CNN. And I think that's maybe why Megyn Kelly was uh, thrown out, you know, because she like originally came from the right and everything, and she tried to go find her a little audience on the left and. They quickly quickly showed her that she was not welcome over there. I think the the biggest problem I have with the social justice movement is that it's just very misdirected, misguided, in my opinion. I mean, look, we have people being killed over broken taillights, you know, while uh, traveling in their vehicle. We have people being caged for years on end for having a plant in their house. I kind of feel like those things are a little more important than trying to figure out gender identity or, you know, really trying to fine tune exactly what is okay and what isn't okay when dressing up as a Halloween costume. I think that the only government or country that's raiding homes and holding families at gunpoint is Americans, is the American government. You know, the only country illegally spying on its citizens inside this country is America. You know, the only people that's killing innocent people in mass, uh, and inside America is the American government. All these other points until that, these are are distractions, in my opinion. I think it's uh, interesting that you, you say that, Matt. And I think you're saying America uh, interchangeably from the U.S. government. And I think a lot of people don't understand that you can't actually love your country without loving your government, right? And especially the people on the right, they don't understand this at all. Um, it is, it is possible to love the land, love the people, our customs and culture without extending that gratitude to the government that, let's be honest, doesn't represent us, uh, doesn't have our best interests in mind. 
to the government when we're just like tax cattle, right? Uh, for their and pawns for the endless wars. And that's how they want it. But at the same time, hardworking Americans defend the government and never acknowledge or question the idea that our government, our country and government are two different things. Um, this way, you know, people support the wars. They don't question things like the Patriot Act or the USA Freedom Act uh, because that way they'd be questioning the will of the people, right? So, I don't know. I think it's important to make that distinction. Yeah, actually, that reminds me of a uh, thing I wrote a while ago that I actually just brought up. And it, it's called What is a Country? And if you just search What is a Country, John Vibes, it'll come up. It says, to some people, the word country is used to define the geographical landmass that they live on and the neighbors that they have. To some people, this is what the word country means. And if that is their definition, I could totally understand people expressing love for their country. But for me, that is not necessarily how I define the word country. In theory, that is what a country is supposed to be, an area and a people who live in it. However, this is not what a country is in practice. From my experience, through looking at history in practice, a country has traditionally been a word to denote gang territory owned by specific groups of aristocrats. When approached through that lens, a country does not have anything to do with the people who live in that specific region and has nothing to do with the geographical characteristics of said region. When looking at what has happened throughout history, a country has always been a word used to describe an area of land and people that were owned by whoever happened to be in control of said country. So for me, I love the geography of the area I live in. A lot of the people are pretty cool too, but the idea of a country and the fact that the landmass which I live on is controlled by a gang, and the fact that that gang believes that they have the right to tell me what I can and cannot do, that I do not love. This is why I will never say that I love my country, although I may like the people, the area, and even parts of the culture. Uh, this all seems to stem from the fact that most people are entrenched in statism. They've been success successfully indoctrinated from birth, um, you know, through public schooling, just uh, the people who surround them believing the same things, which is this idea that we are the government, that, you know, we the people can wield government however we see fit. And as far as I'm concerned, nothing could be farther from the truth. These types always believe if they scream loud enough, if they vote hard enough and smear their opponents enough, uh, that their preferences for how sh society should be implemented um, via the government machine will finally, therefore, be paramount. The fact that we are so entrenched in statism gives people this, this fuel to hate other human beings because they feel like either they need to protect our culture, our borders, our country. They disavow any human beings who are crossing an imaginary line created by government, not looking at people like human beings, looking at them as people from a different country. Once again, I, I feel like this whole caravan uh, is just a product of statism. Well said, Jason. Well, I think that's a good place for us to wrap it up today. Please, if you could, rate, subscribe, review on the podcast players, iTunes, all that. Try to subscribe to our email list if you're not already on it. We're trying to get this information out. We're trying to stay alive. And we'll catch you next week. Peace. <laughs>